At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. You're listening to the Gospel Community Church Sermons Podcast, where we go through books of the Bible, verse by verse and line by line, to hear the truth that God's Word has to encourage, discipline, and bless us in our daily lives. Amen. Good morning, GCC. I love the smell of worship in the morning when we get together and lift our voices to an almighty God that we serve. I'm Greg Reed. If you don't know me, I don't know where you've been, but I'm glad you're here this morning, (laughs) however you're joining us, live and in person or on video, however they do that. This morning, I'm excited to share with you from Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a, a... a very familiar passage of Scripture, probably the most famous one in the Old Testament, unless it was in the beginning God created. But there's a lot of things been taught and said about the 23rd Psalm. The 23rd Psalm is beautiful. And in God's infinite wisdom and in His infallible Word, He put it in right between Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. Now, I'm not talking numerically. I'm talking about Psalm 22 talks about the crucified Christ, the one who gave his life for us, the one who died in our place for our sin, the one who suffered, bled, and died, and died the death that I should have died so that I could live and have life more abundantly. And then in Psalm 24, he talks about the coming King of glory. Oh, Come, King of glory, come into us. But right in the middle is what Jesus Christ is to us as believers, as Christ followers, each and every day. Now, I would like to let you know that this is an interactive sermon. You won't scare me and you won't make me nervous if you talk to me. Mike, I'm glad to see you made it in over here, so pay attention. But (laughs) I was teasing him before service that I was hoping he was in. I thought he was working upstairs. And I said, because I had some things in there that you really need to hear. (laughs) And I'll look at him and say, Mike, did you get that? But God is good. I want to tell a Father's Day joke, too. It's not about a horse with a long face, but I did appreciate the horse humor. Many years ago, many ice cream seasons ago, back when churches still had Sunday evening service, Pat and I went to two different churches, one Sunday morning and one Sunday evening. That Sunday morning, I received the honorarium or or gift, if you will, for being the youngest father in the house. And we went to another church that evening, and I received the gift for being the oldest father in the house. Same day. I didn't think I'd age that much during the day, but evidently I did. But I'm glad we don't do those things anymore. Let's, let's get into the Word of God, Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is an amazing weapon in a believer's hands and heart. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I shall not sin against you. We need to hide God's Word in our heart, and the psalmist David did. That The Word says that David was a man after God's own heart. That means he is constantly pursuing the heart of God. You know, like you did your spouse. Constantly pursuing that heart. 
seeking after the heart of God. So let's look at these verses today. There's only six verses, and I won't preach more than two or three hours, so you'll be all right. So let's look at what these six verses have to say to us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Oh, how deep that is. Let's look at that. First word, the. Notice he didn't say any Lord is my shepherd. Some Lord is my shepherd. A Lord I heard about is my shepherd. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. And we need to know that Lord. He's talking that he knew the Lord. And he knew what it meant to serve him. And he knew what it meant to cling to him. And he knew what it meant for the Lord to cling to him. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's talk just for a moment about Lord. What is a Lord? Lord is someone that rules over things. The dictionary says it's one having power or authority. One to whom obedience is due. Do you know the best way that you can show your love for God is to be obedient? Be obedient to Him. That's showing your love. God loves us. We all know John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believed in Him should not perish but should have everlasting life. The next verse says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Are there any saved people in the house this morning? God loves us. And we have to know Him as Lord, as Lord of our life. The dictionary also said that a Lord is a ruler by hereditary right. Well, I want to tell you that Jesus has a hereditary right to be your Lord. For He is the one that created you. He's the one that formed you in His image in your mother's womb. This Lord will take you from the womb to the tomb and keep you all the way through. And He'll keep you after that also. He is our Lord. The Lord is. Is. The present tense of the verb to be. That means right now he is Lord. When David was sitting on the rock on the hillside counting his sheep, the Lord is. Who did God tell Moses that he was? He says, I am. You know, when I say I am, I can say I am old. I can say I am fat. I can say I am sore and tired. But when God says I am, he don't have to put nothing with it to clarify it. God is. God is. And when he says, I am, so when David said, the Lord is, that means he is being right now. Right now, God is amming all of us. He is in our lives. He's there because, not because we invite him in, but he's there because we love him and we open the doors of our heart. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man come and hear my voice and let me in, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. So as we invite him in, he is Lord by hereditary right because he is son of God. I like the next word. The Lord is my personal pronoun. My shepherd. Pat tells me somebody needs to look after me. Can you imagine that? I don't know what she's talking about. 
But I have a tendency to get in trouble. Even one of my sons told me the other day that I have a tendency to show up at the emergency room at the most inopportune times. <laughs> but the Lord is my shepherd, a personal pronoun. Now, I can understand how I can belong to Him because the greater should own the lesser. But He is such a great Lord that He gives Himself to us so that He can be personal, not just to everyone in this room, but to everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord. He will be personal to you. The Lord is my shepherd. He belongs to me and I belong to Him. I'm glad I can call on Him. It doesn't matter. I may be in the emergency room calling on His name. I may be in the barn calling on His name. I've been on top of a house and I've called on His name. Wherever I am, He is there because He is a very present help in a time of trouble. The Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. I'm not fond of that word. Shepherd. I looked it up. It says it's a keeper of the sheep. And Jesus said we are his sheep. I don't want to be no sheep. Why, did, why, didn't he use, why didn't he let me be a horse running over the hillside, my mane blowing in the wind? That's beautiful. You ever see a picture of a beautiful sheep just bouncing across? It? I don't want to be no sheep, Billy. But he said, you're my sheep. Maybe he'd let me be a grizzly bear, because if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. You know, they got claws and teeth. They can tear you up. But Jesus said I was a sheep. I don't want to be no sheep. My nature rebels against being a sheep. I know none of y'all's do, but mine do. He could have made me a mountain lion where I could leap from rock to rock. He didn't give the sheep any defense weapon. Think about that. He didn't give the sheep any defense. Sheep don't have big gnarly teeth. They barely have enough teeth to chew grass. Sheep don't have big strong hooves that they can strike out at you like that horse with a long face. They have little bitty old paws and they can't even run. They go bouncing across the hillside. I didn't want to be a sheep. But because he is my Lord and he is my shepherd, I will gladly be a sheep. Because the great thing about being a sheep is the shepherd. It's not because of the wool I can grow. It's not because of the baby lambs that I can bring forth. It's because He is my shepherd. Sheep are vulnerable. Sheep are easily intimidated. Sheep are dumb. If you're writing down notes, write that down. Sheep are dumb. And everybody knows that cowboys don't like sheep herders. If you ever saw Big Jake, the very opening scene in that, he's scaring off some sheep herders. A bunch of cowboys are because they don't mix well. 
I think it's kind of ironic, and God obviously has a sense of humor to have me preach about being a sheep. But we are his sheep, and we are the people of his pasture. Sheep have a tendency to get in trouble all the time. They do things that, that just cause them problems. They get hung up in the fence. They get caught in the thicket. Do you remember when he took the, his only begotten son to the top of the mountain and the, and the son said, what are we going to sacrifice? And he said, the Lord will provide. And when they got up there, there was a ram bleeding, bleeding not, not bleeding, bleating in the thicket. And God provided the ram for the sacrifice so he didn't have to slay his son Isaac. Sheep have a tendency to get hung up. I'm glad we're not like that. You know, we, we don't have a tendency to get in trouble or, or make mistakes, do we? Maybe, maybe we are sheep. Maybe, maybe we do struggle and have times. And just so you all know, the timer clock in the back is not working, so I have unlimited time this morning. Isaiah 53, 6 says, But we like sheep have all gone astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. But Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep will know my voice. One thing sheep have are ears. I've told you the story about when I worked on the Newbury Farms in Cesar, Illinois. And he told me after lunch, he said, Greg, I want you to go out and get the sheep up. So I finished my lunch and I headed on out to get the sheep up. I walked out to the pasture gate and I stood there and I did exactly what I'd seen Walter the shepherd do. I hollered, whoa! Them sheep just kept grazing. I told you they were dumb. You just thought they didn't know what I was calling them. I hollered out again. The sheep didn't move. I climbed over the gate and went out there toward them. I thought, well, maybe they're just hard of hearing and they don't hear me. I called them again. I walked around them. About that time, I see Walter coming out from the house, so I head back up to the gate. He said, Greg, I thought I asked you to get the sheep up. I said, sir, you did, and I have done everything I've seen you do, and they don't move. He said, what do you mean they don't move? I said, I showed him how I hollered. Sheep just kept grazing. He said, do it like this. And he let out one, whoop! And every sheep raised their head like they were in a choir and charged toward the gate where he stood. Do you know why? Because... God's sheep know their voice. The sheep know the voice of the good shepherd, and they listen for that voice. They didn't listen for Greg's voice. They listened for the shepherd's voice because they knew that the shepherd had been there, and the shepherd would take care of them, and the shepherd would guide them, and the shepherd would get them where they needed to go, and the shepherd loved them, and the shepherd loves us, and I don't mind being a sheep anymore because he is the shepherd. David understood sheep. When a shepherd spends a lot of time out in the field, he's usually alone with his sheep. And you develop a relationship with them. You'll talk to them. 
I talk to the animals on our farm. I talk to the horses. I talk to the chickens. I talk to the goats. We ain't got no sheep. But if we did, I'd talk to them. And do you know that they also get out there and they calm the sheep by singing to them? Do you know your good shepherd sings over you? Write this down. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love, and he will exult over you with loud singing. Oh, hallelujah. Can you imagine God singing over us, singing over us right here at GCC? As I look around, I'm the old guy here. I get to look around and watch, and I want to tell you how much of an inspiration you are to me, to this old sheep. This old sheep watches you and looks at you, and I see the way you raise your kids. I see the way you love your spouses. I see the way you love God and worship Him. And it inspires me because I'm seeing God bringing His sheep together. God is a God that loves His sheep. And He'll reveal Himself to us in whatever way He needs to to reach you. He revealed himself as a shepherd to David. David was sitting there on the rock one day playing his harp, and he said, huh, God is to me what I am to these sheep. God will speak to you for whatever he needs to do. I'm a carpenter. Someone spoke to me while building a house. Some of you are cooks, and God will speak to you while you're cooking. Some of you sew things together. I've got a granddaughter, Lydia, that you all know, and she loves putting things together. And she'll take remnants of scraps of material and sew them together to make something. And when you get down to it, that's exactly what God does to you. He takes what's left of you, and he puts you back together. You ain't Humpty Dumpty. God will put you back together when you surrender your life to him. Musician, he'll speak to you through music. If you're a farmer, he'll speak to you through crops. If you're an accountant, he'll speak to you through numbers. Whatever it takes. If you're a fisherman, he'll speak to you through fish. Or fishermen. Or fishing line. Or a boat that needs an anchor to hold it stable. God will speak to you wherever you are in whatever realm He needs to be. Let's move on to verse 2. That's enough on verse 1. <laughs> he makes me lie down in green pastures. He makes me lie down. Naughty asked me, Greg, you want to go take a nap? I used to hate naps. The older I get, the more I like them. But God makes me lay down in green pastures. Green pastures means there's plenty of grass out there. Plenty enough to fill an old dumb sheep's belly. But sometimes God makes us lay down. Sometimes we get God's blessing and we border on pride and arrogance. Ooh, somebody say, oh me. 
We swell up within ourselves, and God says, lie down. We get to thinking we're something when it ain't us. It's Him because He is the good shepherd. He's the one that loves us. He's the one that called us out of the rocky place and put us in green pastures. And then He says, lie down. He makes me lie down in green pastures. We need to take time to rest. God worked six days and on the seventh day He rested. Sometimes we need to lay down for rest. He wants us to lay down and rest. We live in an extremely fast culture. Every minute of every day is allocated for something. We push and push and push and sometimes we just need to stop like that clock was stopped and say, I just need to rest. Sometimes you just need to lie down and listen to the voice of the shepherd. Listen for the voice of the shepherd. If you want to hear from God, God will speak to you. The Word of God tells us we have not because we ask not. Don't be afraid to ask God to speak to you if you're a sheep. If you're a sheep, ask Him to speak to you. He will speak to you. He will talk to you. He will speak in your heart. You may not hear Him in an audible voice. That happens very few times. But you will hear Him loud and clear between your ears because He'll speak to His sheep. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me. That's good to know. He leads me. I love training horses. And I've trained a lot of horses to lead. Some of us have never been broke to lead. Ouch. We need to know how to be led. To lead, to be led, you have to yield to the one that's doing the leading. That horse has to respect my personal space. God doesn't want you little lambs crawling up in his lap all the time because then he can't do what he needs to do. He can't play his harp with us laying in his lap. So sometimes he leads us. He leads us beside the still waters. He leads us. Isn't it great to know that if God leads us, he goes before us. When I train a horse to lead, I make sure that horse stays right behind my shoulder. I've had horses that try to pull me. They're not fun. You'll have to correct that and bring them back. And sometimes God corrects us. I know there ain't nobody here that ever got ahead of God, but, but I have a time or two. And God tugs on the lead rope and says, Follow me. I'm the leader here. Did you ever play follow the leader? It's the way it is with God. You follow where he leads. The old song says, where he leads me, I will follow. Sometimes he'll lead you to the mountain. Sometimes he'll lead you to the still the valley. Sometimes he'll lead you to the green pastures. Sometimes he'll lead you to the still you alone. But he will always lead you. And if you're dependent upon him, he won't leave you alone. Still waters are important to sheep. Sheep are big, woolly creatures when they're unshorn. And they're full privilege of shearing some sheep one time. That's work. But when they're full of wool, did you ever get a 
wool coat or a wool pair of pants wet. They weigh twice as much. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep are so instinctive that they will just graze right along and they'll get up to the water and where water is rumbling and if it's fast water, like we used to like to float down in Arizona where it went over the rapids and you shoot through there in a hurry. If it's rumbling like that and there's white water, it's dangerous to sheep. So this good shepherd won't splash me beside the still water. Still water won't splash up in the wool and absorb, be absorbed by the sheep's wool. That wool gets so heavy and so full and the sheep is so focused on what it wants to do. I know we're not like that, but the sheep is so focused on it, what it wants to accomplish, that the water pulls the sheep down and it drowns. God knows what speed water you can handle. We don't need to covet what somebody else has got because God knows, the good shepherd knows what speed water you can drink from. The good shepherd knows what you need to quench your thirst. The good shepherd knows what kind of spouse you need, what kind of children you need, what kind of job you need, whatever you need. He leads me beside the still water. You know, sheep have a propensity to sin. Oh, me. Let's move right on. That says enough, doesn't it, Charles? Verse 3, He restores my soul. God is a God of restoration. Everybody say, love it. When I stumble, He restores my soul. Everybody say, He restores my soul. The Good Shepherd restores my soul. He restores my soul. He is a restorer. I've done a lot of insurance work around Atlanta, and we had a hundred-plus-year-old house that had a 200-year-old tree fall on it, and we had to restore it to its historical nature. Restoration isn't easy, but He restores my soul. Do you know why? Because in the beginning and eternity past I was his he created me in his image to serve and to worship him just like he did you and your soul belonged to him in the beginning so he restores your soul by bringing it back to him he restores my soul he restores my soul when I don't read my Bible like I should he restores my soul he restores my soul when I don't go to church like I should, but He restores my soul. He restores my soul when I don't pray like I should, but He restores my soul because the Good Shepherd is a restorer. He restores my soul when I am disobedient. He restores my soul when I don't give like I should. He restores my soul when I don't love like I should. He keeps when I went off on the guy at work, he restores my soul and he keeps pulling me back to him. He restores my soul when I about lost it. He restores my soul when I quit and, and want to just sit down and stop. He restores my soul when I forget how great a God he is. He restores my soul when I forget he's such a good shepherd. He restores my soul when I fail to remember his sovereignty. 
He restores my soul. Wow. There's a lot in here. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Oh, wow. Do you all know righteousness is a path? A, now, he said righteousness is a path. He didn't say righteousness is an expressway. There's a difference. I used to work in Alpharetta, and I drove back to Griffin in the evening, and I would tell folks when I was leaving work, well, I'm going to go out here and rub elbows on the highway with about a half a million of my closest friends. It's crowded out there. But righteousness is not a crowded highway. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Righteousness is a path, a path is narrow. Long before we lived in houses that have three bedrooms and three baths, we had two bedrooms and a path. You all know what I'm talking about. And that path wasn't wide. That path was narrow. And if you have to go down the path early in the morning, you better stay on the path or you get out there in that tall grass. So when you use your pant legs, everything will get wet. So when you're in that path of righteousness, it's narrow. It's tight. It's close. He leads us in paths of righteousness. David, he don't lead me in a path of righteousness for me. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his namesake. Amen. God lead me. God, help me to be led by you. And Lord, keep me on paths of righteousness. I don't know about you, but there's been some mornings I got up and I wasn't even thinking about being righteous. Now, let's be honest. There's been a few times I got up and I was planning on not being righteous. Oh, somebody say ouch. The good shepherd loved me enough and kept his eyes on me. And when I'd start straying off of that path, he'd reach out and get me and pull me back in. Thank God that he restores my soul. Thank God that he pulls me back in. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. You're not righteous because you chose to be so. You are righteous because you are the righteousness of God in Christ because He chose you and He is the Good Shepherd. Verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know the good thing is He's walking. He's walking through the valley. The valley. The valley is a low place. David, come up here just a second and help me with this, would you? Please. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Just sit right there on that speaker just a second. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Shadow covers David. Now I can move over here and my shadow covers David. 
Does that hurt, David? No, sir. Does it bother you, David? No, sir. The shadow don't bother you. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, but the shadow won't hurt. There's David right there. Look, my shadow just punched him in the nose. You all right? He's all right. The shadow will not harm you. If you are a child of the living God, walking through the valley of the shadow of death will not bother you. The great thing about it is you're walking. You're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If you are a child of God, you can know that God is going to see you through. And the great thing is, He tells us, if you live and believe in Me, you will live and never die. That valley is just that. It's just a valley between this life and the life that we are prepared for. Thank you, David. I appreciate your help, bud. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Fear is the enemy's greatest tool. Terrorists are called terrorists because they thrive on terror. Some of you in here have been in that war on terror, and I thank you for your service. But the enemy thrives on fear. The enemy is moved by fear the same way God is moved by faith because faith is the opposite of fear in your life. You should not be afraid. Over 360 times in the Bible, it says, Be not afraid. Do not be afraid. God loves you, and you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because He is my shepherd. I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and dress like that old lion and bear that came out against David's sheep and he slew them and drove them off. My good shepherd will come and redeem me from those things that try to take me down because he is my good shepherd. I may be in the middle of the valley, but the good shepherd is able to come to my defense because he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's move on. Where am I at? Four? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The enemy feeds off of fear like God. The great philosopher, Master Yoda, I'm serious. He said this. Screen, please. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. And hate leads to, what's that word? Suffering. Fear is the enemy's tool. And when we give place to God, deliver life, whatever it is, we struggle. But God deliver us from fear. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. When something comes up against me, I can say, I'm with him, the creator of the universe. I'm with him. He's got this. 
that shepherd is better than Chuck Norris. Come on. You know what I'm talking about. I'm with him. Put your hand in his hand. Lean upon him. Let him carry you. He says, you are with me. What's going to keep me? Just the fact that he is with us. Isn't it great to know that the creator of everything we enjoy all day is with us? He is with us. Then he goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now shepherds over in that vicinity, they usually carried two things with them. A rod. Go ahead and put that other up there. The rod. The rod is kind of like a club. You know, it looks kind of like it's shaped like a baseball bat. And baseball bats aren't just for baseball. Oh, me. But he said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd sometimes has to drive the enemy back. The rod is the weapon of defense that defends the sheep. And God is the controller of that rod. God is the user of that rod. God will drive back your enemies. The Word of God says, When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against them. We have nothing to fear, like Winston Churchill said, but fear itself. Drive fear out of your life. I will fear no evil because his rod and his staff comfort me. The rod will drive away the wolf. It will drive away the bear. It will drive away the lion. Because the one that holds the rod knows how to use the rod. He didn't tell me any time that I need to fight for myself like that. He said he would defend me. Your rod and your staff. They comfort me. Now, if you look at the staff, the staff is shaped just a little different. A hook. And slub, the staff is more like a hook. And some of us, when we're walking down that path of righteousness, we tend to stray off to the right or to the left or fall down or just want to sit down and quit. But the good shepherd takes that staff and he reaches out with that hook in. And he hooks on to me. And he pulls me back in line and gets me back on the path. When I have a tendency to wander, he pulls me back in. When I have a tendency to roam, when I have a tendency to do my own thing, he pulls me back in with the hook on that staff. And he's doing the same for you because you are a sheep and he is your shepherd. Sheep are dumb. Sheep will get out on a high plain and they'll be grazing in grass and they'll just be walking along and they'll never look up. They just keep looking at what they're devouring. Constantly taking it in. And they've been known to walk right off a cliff. And that soft fluffy wool don't protect them when they hit the bottom of that ledge. Let God protect you and comfort you and rejoice and praise him when he takes that hook and hooks on you and pulls you back 
in line because he loves you and he loves his sheep. So listen for his voice. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Wow. In the presence of my enemies. You know what my biggest enemy is? Sin. God will prepare a table for us in the midst of our enemies. In just a few moments after the response, you'll be given the opportunity to come to the Lord's table and partake of the bread that represents the body of Christ, the body that was sinless, the body that knew no sin, the body that lived the life that you should have lived. And you'll be invited to take part of the juice that represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And you'll be invited to take that juice, that juice that represents the blood that was shed for you for the remission of sin. And you can come to the Lord's table that He prepared for you in the presence of enemies. I heard a man explain it one time. He said, when we come, we've been told we need to be perfect when we come and take communion. I've never met anybody perfect yet except Jesus Christ. So when I come to the table, I take that piece of bread that represents his sinless body and I say, God, my body ain't sinless. But please make my body more like your body. And I take it in. And I believe that he will because he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then I take the juice, the juice that was shed for my sin and your sin. And I say, God, I know I'm a sinner, but I know your grace is sufficient. Take this and wash away my sin. I'm not talking about the little cup and the little bit of juice. I'm talking about the precious blood of the Lamb of God that died in your place for your sin. He'll prepare a table before you in the presence of his enemies. Then he said, you anoint my head with oil. You anoint my head with oil. The head of the sheep had a tendency to get stuck in places it should not be. So they would take a large amount of oil and the shepherd would hold the sheep around the neck. And he would pour that oil out over that sheep's head. And it would run down and it would make all that wool and all that skin around that face slick. And when that sheep was grazing along and he come up to a couple of rocks that were wedged together and he stuck his head in and couldn't get out, the oil of the anointing will help him get out of that situation. The other thing that oil did, when that sheep's walking along, he'd find a hole in the ground and he'd stick his nose in a hole. A hole maybe he shouldn't ought to have been in. I know there ain't nobody here ever stuck their nose in something they shouldn't have done that. But deep down in a lot of them holes were snakes. And those snakes would strike out at that sheep. But that oil was a venom repellent. And would yield back the snake and push the snake back 
because of the oil that was upon the sheep's head. We need our heads anointed with oil. God anoint my head with oil so that nothing that tries to bite me won't stick. So that nothing that tries to harm me. So that when I stick my head between two rocks, I don't need to have them stuck between. My head will pull back out. And I can get back on the path of righteousness. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. John 10 and 10 says that in red letters, and I like that, Jesus said, I'm come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. How many of y'all are better off today than you were the day that you found Jesus? Pick me. I'm much better off than the day that Jesus took that hook and pulled me back in. My cup runs over. I am so abundantly blessed. I am so abundantly favored by God. Not because of what I've done, but because He is the shepherd. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I love this. I, I went back and I did some research on that word follow. That word follow means to pursue as with hostility. Well, we know the good shepherd isn't hostile, but he's pursuing us. The next definition says, as if to hunt. Goodness and mercy from the good shepherd will hunt you down and find you when you're walking in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Doesn't say we'll see them ahead. The best way to see purpose is to look in life's rearview mirror. You won't see it out the windshield of life, but you can see purpose in the wake behind you because you're following close to God and you see the way God put that thing together. And you know that I can't preach without quoting Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for the good to them who love the Lord who are the called according to His purpose. You'll see it in your rearview mirror when God is working those things together. You might have thought it was the valley of the shadow of death for a minute. I want to tell you, though, if it ain't good, God ain't finished. If it ain't good, God ain't done. I'm glad there's no English teachers here this morning. Boy, they would be red lines all over my notes. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You need one or the other. You need His goodness or you need His mercy. If you're not exercising His goodness and you wake up in the morning thinking, I'm not going to be righteous today, then you need His mercy. But if you get up in the morning and you put them feet on the floor and you say, today I'm going to be good. I'm going to be as good as I can be because the good shepherd watches over me. Then His goodness is going to be all over you. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. How long? All. 
Brett, a while ago you read that scripture, beautiful passage of scripture, talking about when we were dead and our trespasses and sin. Once you come to faith in Christ and surrender your life to Him, you will never experience that death again that He was reading about, but you will, if you do not, you will be dead in your trespasses and sin. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever is a long time. I've lived almost 70 years. And that seemed like a long time when I started, but it seems like about that long now. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Have you made that commitment in your heart? Have you given it to Him? I like the way David did this thing. He set it up just the way Pastor Kirk does his sermons. He introduces the subject at the beginning, the Lord. And for the next five verses, he talks about the Lord and all He is. And then in the end, he gives application. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me because you need goodness or mercy, one or the other. And the application is, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Almighty God, we're thankful for the beautiful stories you give us in the Bible. And Lord, this morning I even thank you that you called us sheep. Help us, God, to be obedient sheep. Help us to be loving sheep. Help us to be caring sheep. Help us to be the shepherd. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share the contents of this podcast, but please do not alter it in any way without permission. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook or iTunes. Visit gospelcc.com for more content like this. At Gospel Community Church, our mission is to know the Bible, share life with others, and bring hope to our city and the world. Thanks again and have a blessed day.